Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group, Saturday Morning Statistics. So this is an exclusive group, happy to have you. We've got some ground to cover today and some valuable topics to cover, rich statistics, a good application, and it opens the door for a lot of interesting analysis here. So I'll show you the introduction to the models We'll estimate a brand new model today, and then I'll show you directions for the future, because as I said, we're about to open some, some doors here about how you can perform analysis with cannabis data. Without further ado, I want to tell you about two different types of models and when we can use them. So we've been doing regression analysis. So when you have a series of points, you can draw a estimate, a trend line between these points, right? And so you all know this is the linear regression. Well, this is awesome. However, this is only a way that we can measure correlation. So we can see if variables are correlated with each other. However, it's a stretch to say that a correlation is representative of a causal relationship. And quite often people are interested in causal relationships because they want to make business decisions, right? Because not only are we making forecasts for the future, but we want to know how our actions today will affect the future trajectory, right? And so that's how we're going to start to bring everything together. We've been doing causal analysis. We've been doing forecasting. Now we're going to look at causal inferences. So that way we can try to pick out cause and effect relationships with the goal of trying to predict if we take action A or B, C, or D today, what effect will that have on our future tra trajectory, right? And so that is the grand scheme here, is not only do we want to an analyze the past, we want to try to predict if there's any sort of causal relationship that we can tease out. Then we want to use that information to one, predict into the future as if things stayed the same as they are today. And then we want to predict into the future what would happen if we took course A, B, or C. That way we can start to tease out what would be optimal decisions that you can make today that you can base on statistics and data. So I'm going to show you two interesting models here in Saturday morning statistics. I'm going to emphasize the first model today and the second model next week. So today we'll look at structural breaks. This is not to be confused 
with difference in differences models. So this is where you have two series going along and one series quote unquote gets a treatment and the other series remains on its current trajectory as normal. This will be an interesting analysis that we can apply in the cannabis industry when we look at state by states. So I think this would be good analysis, say, if we're looking at Massachusetts versus Colorado, and perhaps they're both on similar trajectories. However, there were two different, there was essentially a, a treatment effect in, say, Massachusetts, where Massachusetts closed retail stores during the pandemic from March 26th, 2020 through May 25th, 2020. So it was actually almost two months. So last week, I said that it was about a month closure, but when I looked at the data and we'll look at it today, but it was actually about a two month closure of retail. So we'll want to try to see if we can't measure an effect of what that had on the performance of the cannabis industry. Because it's an interesting natural treatment, right? We can't just close stores overnight for two for a two month period just just to test things out. However, this just happened by circumstance in Massachusetts. And so we can start to parse out what if you know what this may have had on the trajectory of Massachusetts market versus say Colorado's market and that's where we're going to be we can begin analysis to to see if we can't find any interesting insights to uncover causal relationships that could help us predict into the future so for example we would be able to then further predict, okay, so say another state closes retail for a certain period of time. Can we predict what effect that would have on that market? And we may even be able to tease out what an effect having stores open has an effect. So long story short, we'll look at difference in differences primarily next week. So just keep in mind, you know, these are the treated and the untreated. So, so because this is distinct. So today we'll be looking at the structural break. So this will see essentially if the model altered over time. So essentially, you know, we're going to see if the model remains the same from 
the beginning. So we're going to say 2019 through the present day, or if there was a structural break that may have occurred pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. And this is a super simple, and so right, we're doing Saturday morning statistics. So, you know, there's, I'll provide these two resources here. So this is status description of structural breaks. And then we'll implement a chow test to test essentially if these models are different. So essentially what you do is, so RSS is the residual sum squared. So that's all of the errors of your model squared. And we're going to use this formula that penalizes for the number of regressors. And I believe adds on some leniency for the number of observations. So I would encourage you to, you know, delve deeper into the Chow test if you're a statistics junkie. And <laughs> um, but uh, part of that. <laughs> but anywho, you're welcome to learn more about the Chow test. But this is what we'll be implementing because it's a simple statistic that we can calculate and we can actually use an F-test. So this would be, we can reject the difference between these models, right? So, right, so we define our, next week I'll put together a bit better of a presentation, but this week I thought I could just sort of click around the web and show you links and images and web pages. Please provide any feedback. So if you prefer the presentation style, then I can do that. And then if you prefer the web browser, we can do that. So if you end up having a preference, you know, feel free to share. Anywho, for today, we'll do it this way. Next week, perhaps do a presentation, then you can maybe compare and decide what you like better. So without further ado, F-test, zero onwards. The x-axis depends on your parameters. You define your confidence level, right? And then you basically get an F-statistic, right? And if it falls outside of your confidence interval, then you can reject that the two samples so right the null hypothesis or you know your two statistics that you're comparing are the same if your f statistic falls outside of the range you can conclude that they're different so we'll basically calculate an f statistic if our f statistic is anywhere in the blue we can't conclude the models are statistically different. If our F statistic is outside of our confidence interval, right? Because 
right? If we want to be 95% sure that they're different, right? Then that's, you know, we have to really make sure that our F statistic is outside of our confidence, right? Because we have to be 95% sure, right? So if we're only going to be 80% sure, right? The F statistic, you know, has more wiggle room. So that's how the F statistic works conceptually. If you want a more rigorous statistical approach, hit the books. Here we're doing applications. So we're just kind of being a little dirty and a little loose with the language. We're trying to be rigorous enough that our analysis is defensible. However, if you're doing this to get paid for someone, you definitely want to be a lot more rigorous than we're being right now. Right now, we're just proving that things can be done. And just showing, showing you the basics of how you can do some of these applications. So without further ado, we're going to be doing a structural break test. So without further ado, what are we going to be doing a structural break test of? Massachusetts cannabis markets. So if you've been attending, you know, the cannabis data science group, and I know you were last week. So we can go ahead and just start with all of the Massachusetts data. So here we're just going to read in from the Socrata API. So definitely make sure to go check out the series that, that, you know, that Massachusetts publishes because they publish good data. So, so check it out. But without further ado, the Chow test. Here's a good article on the Chow test. We'll actually look at this here in just one second. We've got our data here. And so now we use some economics. So there's the fundamental concept in economics is supply meets demand, right? And this can get boiled down in many, many ways. It ultimately hinges on marginal benefit equaling marginal cost. So these are fundamental concepts in economics. Let's look at these two sides of the market. One, demand. We want to know, okay, was there any structural change in consumer demand pre-pandemic and post-pandemic? Right. So, right. If there was any change in what's demand, it's ultimately about consumer preferences. So we're going to take the consumer preferences as exogenous. So people have their preferences. We can't explain them. And if you've met people, you'll, you'll know that to be true. And so 
people just have their preferences and you know i like to say to each his own or her own and we'll take those as exogenous however those are the fundamental driving factors of demand right if people don't have a preference for extravagant clothes or jewelry or bitcoin or what have you then right if they don't get any utility from that well bitcoin you could maybe argue um occurrence you know people have their preferences for various commodities right people have their preferences do they drink water do they drink soda do they drink coffee they people have different preferences what foods they eat you know you know it really when you start to look at economics you know it's you know it's everything right um right people have their different preferences for cannabis products right so some people prefer edibles some people prefer flour some people prefer concentrates so that's how it applies in the cannabis industry so people have their different preferences and then you also have preferences among all goods. So you have a preference for how much you like health care or how much you value to spend on education, how much you want to spend on entertainment. So people have all of their preferences and given their preferences, and then of course, supply in the market, right? How much are these goods being supplied? Well, these factors shake out, prices are determined, and then people make their purchases. So that's what's happening on the demand side. How are we gonna go about measuring preferences? Well, you look at what people do. You look at what people buy, right? So, right. So that's another rule about economics, right? right? That's why economists often look down upon surveys, right? Because people will tell you sometimes and quite often quite different. People will tell you their preferences are different than they actually are. And it can be strategic, right? And so that enters game theory. And that's a whole nother can of worms, right? Because, you know, if you're considering the game theory of it, you know, it could be strategic to reveal your preferences as... So for the, the classic examples, um, like it, like it, like, do you ask people, oh, do you donate to charity or something like that? So it may, if you were just going to, right, if no one was going to judge you about lying, right, you may get some utility from saying, yeah, you know, I, I donate to charity. 
because you know you may look like a altruistic person to other people so you may get some sort of social benefit from that whether in reality you actually donate to charity or not so long story short is you actually have to look at people's actions well what are people's actions well they're buying so that's the easy right so um, you know, if people are putting their money where their mouth is, well, that must mean they have a preference for what they're spending money on. Well, we have a measure of that, right? We can see that people are buying cannabis. And quite large amounts, right? We estimated that in 2021, they were going to spend almost 1.1, people in Massachusetts were going to spend almost $1.1 billion on cannabis. Well, how much money are people spending in Massachusetts? Well, we can add that data point, right? So you can actually get, so say you come over to Federal Reserve, the economic data. Well, let's just find out. Like, you know, Massachusetts. Um, total income. Right? And so now you know, like, wow, like, so they're spending $1.1 on Oh, cool. So here we have quarterly data. So we may have to enhance our analysis. So, so long story short, you know, here people are and they're spending what? They're spending, this is millions of dollars. So I'm not even going to be able to quickly do that mental math. Um, but long story short, 500 billion. That doesn't that seem ridiculously high? I don't know. That seems ridiculously high to me. But long story short, we're going to try to figure out what percentage of their well, that could be business income too. So that's why we're going to start looking at per capita just to kind of start trying to do apples to apples here. So long story short, and right, the population should cancel, but long story short is we're going to try to start figuring out what percent of, so, right, so sometimes the per capita income may be a little biased upwards for the average person. So we may actually look at medium household income in Massachusetts. So this is more capturing the more of like the average consumer. But we'll probably look, we'll probably calculate both measures here. But long story short is, right, I mean, the median household income is pretty, pretty high here in, uh, here in Massachusetts. So we want to find out what percentage of their income are they spending on cannabis and 
this is a whole other interesting analysis of its own. So this goes back to the literature. So if you hit the literature on cannabis, you will find that people who have studied this find a negative relationship between income and cannabis use. So cannabis is what you would call an inferior good. So the lower your income is, the more, the higher percentage of your income you spend on cannabis. That's typically what people find. And so the higher your income is, typically the lower percentage of your income you spend on cannabis. So it would be such an interesting analysis to compare Massachusetts to another state that doesn't have quite as high, because I kind of believe Massachusetts just from my Bayesian observations, I believe that Massachusetts has a high median income here. So it would be interesting to compare it to another state. And I'm sure there may be states that have higher incomes than Massachusetts. So that could be another interesting analysis of its own. Or, or to get. So long story short, we're, let's go ahead and calculate this. What percent of income are people spending on cannabis? Because that's the best I think we can do to measure people's preference for cannabis. Um, it's not perfect, right? Because it depends on prices, right? Because if all of a sudden the price, well, actually, and this is where, you know, economists can kind of hash this thing out, right? Because if all of a sudden the price of cannabis fell through the floor, are people necessarily going to consume, right? That could actually change the, the percentage of their income they spend on cannabis, right? Because they may still consume the same amount of cannabis, just their dollars spent changes. Um, so their preferences remain the same, but the, the proportion they spent changed. So, this analysis kind of assumes prices are stable. And as we've saw, prices aren't exactly stable. Well, you know, you can argue that they're kind of staying, you know, between three, 360 and 400, but it kind of looks like they're decreasing over time. So as always, we're starting to run into complications here, but long story short, we need some measure. So we've got to start somewhere. So I figured, okay, like let's, let's at least calculate, you know, sales as a percent of income. So without further ado, we, I'm just going to read in this data from the Federal Reserve economic data here, right? And so, you know, we're just gonna work with the population of Massachusetts. Awesome, so that, that just worked. Once again, if you're presenting these results, you need to say that we are 
you know, conjecturing, you know, slash assuming, you know, the population remains the same in 2021, you know, as in 2020. Pretty big assumption. We may not, we may not want to make that assumption. Um, so maybe let's hold off on doing that for a second. So, because we don't actually necessarily need to look at 2021 data. So we may just have to restrict our analysis to end at 2020, which is okay. We can see if there's a structural break that occurred. Um, but the main, so long story short is the reason I'm interested in structural breaks is we've been looking at the data, right? And if you look at the data, so this is actually what it looks like to me is it looks like we're going along, going along, going along. Retail closes. And then it actually looks like it shifts down. So it looks like you have a shift down. However, it looks like the trend is and volatility is still the same. Then in 2021, you have another shift down and the volatility goes through the roof, like through the roof, like, um, you know, this is daily data here. So what we've done is, you know, you can look at this in weekly data and in monthly to sort of, you know, smooth things out. But, you know, even, I mean, primarily in the weekly series here, you can see like there's just substantial, sub like, so here it, it looks like at the beginning of January, I'm going to have to research what happened in Massachusetts, like as far as policy goes, but you have another, and it could just be data entry, right? We can't rule that out um, because we're not intimate enough with the data here. But there's yet another hit to retail. This time things don't drop to zero, but they I mean, they have, you know, your retail sales have in January of 2021, which doesn't look natural. And then don't really rebound until March or April or May. And then when they rebound, look at this. There's this incredible amount of volatility in the market that persists to the current day, right? It, because it was almost like prior pandemic, things are, I mean, they're just increasing. There is volatility in the market. There is a cyclical component here, but it looks like, you know, the cyclical component, it's boom, like out of control and the volatility is out of control. So this is what makes me think there's been a structural break. And so then we're gonna, try to uncover what structurally broke, how it changed, and can we quantify what changed, right? And so that brings us back to, 
like my supply and demand question is did consumers preferences change was there a structural break in the production function and there could be other factors and so we're going to look at technology changes next week was there a structural change in technology and maybe we'll so that will be what we'll look at next week when we look at the difference and difference between massachusetts and colorado and see if we can't parse out a technology change or something of that sort today we're just going to see okay was there a break perhaps in consumer preferences or maybe there was a structural break in the production function so that's what we can at least begin to look at today so the structural break analysis for Well, let's just see if there was essentially, you know, a structural break, you know, in the trend of sales. Um, and here, here I've done sales per capita or sales per income. Yeah, let's actually, Let's work with this series and maybe limit our. And so basically, we're going to almost need to do another analysis here in in 2021, where you can even do a whole other analysis. So not only was there a structural break in the parameters, but the variance is probably what changed. Right. So like the, the trend may be similar during. So let's say these are holdout periods, right? The trend may be the same in these three periods. However, the volatility may have changed in the third period here. We can do this with really just two simple statistical packages in Python. So SciPy, awesome package, and stats models, another classic. There's a couple ways we can um, do this here. And basically what I'm going to do is just exclude the, the break here. So let's just look at this first section here. So let's, right, because, you know, let's not get over our skis here. Let's just do just this analysis right here, right, where we've got trend. We want to see, was there a structural break? Okay, cool. So this is the data we're going to work with, right, because like I said, it looks like something entirely different happened in 2021 um 
so let's limit our analysis. So this is where we're just limiting the scope of our analysis. And that's also kind of how you have to do it with these causal inferences, right? You kind of have to disentangle these things, right? Because if we start looking at, oh, what happened from this effect in March of 2020, and we start comparing this to whatever happened in 2021, well, these could be entirely different things and we don't want to kind of conflate them. So let's just narrow our scope of analysis here and basically look at 2019 to the end of 2020, right? And this gives us a nice time frame here because we basically, you know, 2019, there wasn't you know, anything like too, too extraordinary going on. And then, of course, we all know the 2020 is this major outlier. And so let's look at, at these regressions here. And this, this gap is kind of throwing a monkey wrench into things. And I'm not certain actually the best way to deal with it. So we're going to actually try two different approaches here. One, we can just leave the gap in. And then two, we can try to exclude the gap. Okay, I think I think this is okay. I think that the data is um, excluded. I just think that the time index has remained. So the idea is, right, do we want to have time keep ticking along during this closure time, right? Because we're, we're basically, we're gonna estimate a trend here. We're gonna see if the trend is different. Um, and we're just gonna get at this. We're gonna actually see if the production function's different too. But first we just, we just wanna see if the trend is different. Um, and so basically, you know, our trend, you know, zero, one, two, three, four, five, five, you know, do we include these as periods or not? And so let's try to just not include those. Let's just pretend like, okay, the light switch got flipped off and then it gets flipped back on in the next period we're here. So we're just going along, going along, going along lights get turned off, lights get turned on, and then we keep going along and along. And we're going to see, okay, does the trend, you know, alter during that period? Yes, next time we'll, we'll try to conceptualize these statistics a little bit better. Um, so I think I'm going to put it on pause with this sales as a percent of income because I need to, to figure out what is going on with this? Um, so I need to think about this metric a little bit, a little bit more. However, we can still test if there's a structural break in sales. So let's just look at sales instead, uh, just to kind of simplify this analysis. Just, just so we can walk away at the end of the day with something. So let's just look at sales. Um. Right. And so the idea is, right, so, right, we create our first model where Y is sales and X is just a constant and the trend. And 
right? You can fit this model right by itself. So right here we fit a model. We've got our constant. We've got our T value. And I wonder, sorry, I'm going to have to hit Google for this, but um, let's see if we can't just plot this linear regression real quick. I didn't already have this made, but it, it helps to get a visualization of this. Bear with me. We'll get a plot. All right. This is frustrating, a frustrating example here. Okay, here we are. Anyways, this is just our days ticking along here. And basically, we're trying to see, okay, you know, is there a structural break at, at, um, at one point? So, for example, um, let's go ahead and so basically, right, our, our first range is 2019 through 2020, 326. So, right, so. Right. So this is the right through T449. So we're basically saying, okay, was there a structural break, you know, at 449? The 449 should correspond to, to this month right here. And actually, when you plot it like this, it doesn't actually look like there was a structural break, does it? But um, so we've got our first range, and then we've got our second range. And we basically fit a regression for each of those ranges separately. So that's where, if you look at the structural break, we basically fit this regression. So basically, we fit one regression with all of the data. Then we fit another regression with this portion of the data. Then we fit another regression with this portion of the data. And we see if the these two regressions are significantly different than just doing one, one regression. So that's that's sort of the, the concept here, but I'll I'll, I'll uh, iron that out a lot better next week. But long story short, we can go ahead and estimate our other two regressions here. What do those look like? Well, so just to look at the actual summary, here we have our first model, right? constant coefficient on T. Now we can look at the second period. Coefficient on T, right? Here we've got a coefficient of 3,300. Here the coefficient's 3,000. And basically the question is, is this statistically different? That's basically what we're testing. Is 3,300 statistically different than 3,050? So that, that's kind of what we're after here. 
Um, and then, right, if we tested it, right, and basically if we do it, right, just the singular model, right, we get a coefficient of 3,200 on, on, on the trend. So basically we're testing, okay, are these coefficients, are they all within the bound, you know, a reasonable degree of variability or are they outside of our confidence and we can conclude that they're statistically different? Well, let's first, let me just visualize these two for you real quick um, and then we'll make the plot. Right, so so now we can basically plot these. Um, so this is going to be the singular model. All right, so sorry that I'm just sort of doing this on the spot. It would be so cool if we could plot this data together, but I don't think we may have to to revisit this next week. But basically, but basic, because I, I want these side by side, and what I may do is I may send you the code for a beautiful visualization because that's what we kind of promised. Because basically, I would like to essentially at least recreate this visualization here where we basically have let's see zero to 400 we have one slope and then zero to about four 450 or so and then from about 450 or so onwards you have this second slope i don't think i'm going to do this live it would be interesting to do it live um, because then you could see how how to how to create a beautiful visualization. Um, but so we actually let's actually maybe do this this real quick. Um, so let's see if we can't do it in five minutes. So long story short, let's go ahead and determine are these two models different? How are we going to do that? We're going to use the Chow statistic. So this was by Gregory Chow, 1960. That's what you'll find with all these awesome statistics. They've been around for a hot minute. So there's good papers written on them. Always recommend finding the original because the original is actually still quite relevant. So read Gregory Chow's original paper about his Chow statistic. And we're going to calculate this. So we just calculated the residual sum squared for our singular model, our first period model, our second period model. And then we can calculate our Chow statistic using our number of regressors and the number of observations in each period. The Chow statistic itself, not that informative, However, that's our F statistic. And so we can do an F test. I'll let you, you know, read. That's why you'll want to hit his paper and, you know, read up about the specific F test that you conduct. But we'll just simply, we'll, we're, we're going to be leveraging this paper where we are given a, a pretty good description of the Chow statistic here. So I'd recommend reading this article here. 
And so long story short, we're going to end up calculating the p-value for the f-statistic. And if the f-statistic is greater than our alpha, or less than our alpha significant level, then we'll reject the null hypothesis that the models are the same. So, so basically, if our p-value is, you know, greater than, say, 0 0.05, then we can't conclude that the models are different. So, without further teasing, let's calculate our p-value. And we get a p-value of 1%. So, we are 99%, you know, confident that this is not within our bounds of being the same. Um, so we can actually reject our null hypothesis that the models are the same and conclude that there are statistically different trends in sales pre pandemic and post pandemic. And so now we've actually begun to uncover, you know, the actual causal relationships here. So now we can actually say that, you know, yes, like there was a, you know, a structural change, you know, between pre pandemic and post pandemic. So we can get at the fact that something changed and we're going to have to parse out what that something was. Um, so next we'll look at the production function and sales per income, sales by income, sales as a percentage of income. But first, let's just go ahead and see if we can't do a plot here. So, um, um, so if we can do this really quick, then we will. If not, then this may need to wait. Um, and I may just need to so we probably have to use something of this sort. Um, let me just give this one go. If I can do it quickly, fantastic. If not, then it may need to, to wait till next time. Okay, so basically what we're gonna try to do is um, we're going to try to make a beautiful figure real quick. So this is gonna be a little tricky. So let's see if we can't make a figure here. So, um, we, so we've got a figure 
Okay, and we're going to plot the first range. We want the parameters for the first period model. Bear with me. Okay, so we've got the first period plotted. Okay, so a lot of rigmarole to get not really the best visualization here. Um, and I still want to add the, the gap back in and add in the date index. So I'll work on beautifying this figure for you, but I don't know. Um, when you, when you put the series together like that, you know, we did conclude that the, they had a statistically different trend, but when you remove the gap and you just put them together like that, I don't know, the, the series may not look that different. So, so next week, There's a, there's a lot to do, right? So today was an incredibly dirty day. Um, so we're going to need to clean this up a lot for next week. So we are going to need to, one, beautify the figure. Two, iron out this structural break analysis. Three, we want to get to difference and differences because this will allow a whole new fruitful mechanism for analysis so please stay tuned for next week because next week we've got a lot of cleanup to do i will send you this script as is and i will also work to beautify this figure for you because that is the grand scheme of Saturday morning statistics is we want to apply statistics to, to real cannabis data and walk away at the end of the day with the beautiful visualization that you can use to inform people. This beautiful, this visualization is not quite there yet, but you can kind of see how we are trying to set this up here similar to this figure, however beautiful, with real cannabis data. So I'm going to go ahead and conclude it there since we've been hammering at this for a while now, but I will get this updated script sent to you. And you know, you're welcome to work with some of the scripts that we have worked with in the past and see if you can't try to beautify this figure yourself and then I'll send you my code and you can start putting together a nice quiver of charts that you can create. And thank you for attending and definitely feel free to send me an email, correspond, reach out and we can 
brainstorm and figure out which directions we want to take Saturday statistics in next week. Uh, so I was thinking that uh, maybe we could have a statistics and probability session uh, with uh, practical applications like, yeah. Okay, so yeah, what applications are you interested in? Yeah, some statistical tests like... Uh, uh so today we are talking about f test and uh, uh some something related to uh, linear regression so how we uh, uh implement the normality test and all that uh this hypothesis test i'm talking about this definitely so we can definitely apply more statistics next week because you're right so for example when we're doing forecasting we need to test if the series are stationary. So there's a whole suite of tests you can do there. Yeah. And you're right. We can also test the errors here to make sure our errors are normal. And there's no trend or there's no real you know, there's no, you know, uncoverable relationship in our errors, which would be a violation of our assumptions and bias our, our estimates. So, yeah, maybe a statistic refresher like uh, hypothesis testing and uh, confidence intervals, and uh, how to interpret them and all that. Uh, just a session for uh, a <clears throat> statistics refresher. Ooh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So those are areas we can talk, we can cover. And so yeah. I'll try to incorporate those into the session next week. So when we cover, when we pick up next week, we'll try yeah, sure. to incorporate, incorporate some hypothesis testing and some, some, some more statistics. Yeah. And I also came across a normality test, uh, which will be used in linear regression. So it's called a Shapiro-Wilkes test. And I also wanted to know about that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to need to do my homework on this one. Yeah. I don't know this one off the top of my head. So I will, yeah, sure, sure. I'll do my homework and we can report back next week and see if we can actually use it in the wild with some real data. Yeah, sure, sure. Awesome. So thank thank you. The session was really great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Cheyenne. Thank you for attending. And keep keep your nose to the grindstone. And we can meet back next week. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. So enjoy your day. And I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Thank you for coming. Check out Canlytics and Stay productive. Have an awesome one. Bye now. Yeah, bye.